0: for you are all one in Christ Yeah, I get a little irritated when someone says well I'm a messianic Christian what is that? I'm a bald Christian I don't go around bragging about that maybe I should there's no distinction there's not oh you're class A well I'll go back and coach while you lead me through the scriptures in first class first class hits the mountain first In other words, where you sit, never mind. You can figure it out.
1: This is Cross Reference Radio with our pastor and teacher, Rick Gaston. Rick is the pastor of Calvary Chapel Mechanicsville. Pastor Rick is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. Please stay with us after today's message to hear more information about Cross-Reference Radio, specifically how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Today, Pastor Rick shares part two of his study called A New Covenant, as he teaches in Hebrews chapter 8.
0: Many of the Jews
1: listen to the scripture, and that's why
0: Philip found Nathaniel and said, we found the Messiah, the one whom the scriptures talks about. What What was he doing when Jesus showed up reading scripture. Well, back to this with the house of Judah and with the house of Israel. Uh, Jeremiah's prophecy, again, centered on Israel because the church did not exist. Just because God does not say something at a particular spot doesn't mean it's not somewhere else in some form. Sometimes it's not stated, but the fact is is clear. And this is, is one of them. And so this, again, does not mean that we are not without a covenant in the Lord. Let's now discuss New Testament covenant. Luke 22, verse 20, Jesus is the central figure here at the Last Supper. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. You see, the covenant, the new covenant for Israel, had many physical things that belonged to it, as well as spiritual the New Testament covenant zooms in on the spiritual. doesn't tell the church you're going to get territory when I come back. It says you're going to get territory in heaven. and There will be a new Jerusalem in contrast to those who have not been raptured or suffered death who will be alive during the kingdom age and carrying on life at the millennial temple. 1 Corinthians 11.25 now, I, I'm thinking I just lost a lot of people, or maybe I lost you when you walked in the door. But what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to say, boy, this is technical. Let's skip it. No, we'll take it. And we'll, what you don't get, what doesn't stick, well, let it not stick. But there will be those things that you will get. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, not me. I don't know what works in your head and not. I'm still trying to figure out what works in my head. And then, then when you finally begin to get a clue, you realize, you know what? I'm, I won't be in this life much longer. I'm getting older. I finally figured a lot of things out, and I won't be here to use them. First Corinthians 11.25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after saying, supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. In other words, uh, what was started at, by Jesus was continued. All that Jesus began both to do and to teach, Luke starts off in the book of Acts. That's how it starts. All that he began to do and to teach. And there we find Paul continuing when his master had begun. Second Corinthians 3, speaking of Christ who has made us sufficient, sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Remember that, Christian, you are not ministers of the Old Testament. You're ministers of the new covenant, which includes the Old Testament. It filters out that which is to vanish and it retains that which is to be retained. That discernment and that knowledge, that ability comes from a combination of the Holy Spirit working in our lives and the text that has been preserved. Unfortunately, many Christians get tripped up and they go to they think the Old Testament is is their guide over the New Testament. And we usually call them legalistic. They may not even come out and say that, but they're doing that. And, and so uh, beware when a Christian is only quoting you Old Testament scriptures. We are ministers of the new covenant. Hebrews 9, 15, for this reason, he is a mediator of the new covenant. And so there, the New Testament, I, we can go on and on and on. And well, let me just finish this verse. minister of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal covenant. Inheritance, and we'll be getting that when we get to chapter 9 in more detail. But there is our New Testament, so don't feel slighted. But in Jeremiah, God had his moment to speak about the new covenant that would be heart deep and everlasting. And the reason why Jeremiah was used at that moment is because the nation was abandoning their covenant and, and Jeremiah was raised up to say, God's got a new one. He's going to develop this. This isn't over. And out of that new arrangement, he is going to have his people who love him. And in the end, all Israel will be saved. Not every individual Jew. That is not what is meant. The nation will remain God. That is God belong, belonging to God. That is an unbreakable contract. But the individuals, well, the ones who reject Christ will be judged like the Gentiles who reject Christ. But the Jews who accept Christ will be judged like the Gentiles who accept Christ. And you have to be able to sort that out or else you're going to get like having your, your shoelaces tied together from opposite feet and you walk and trip. Hebrews seven nineteen. for the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God and that is our New Testament. And covenant and testament are synonymous. So you say New Testament, Old Testament, New Covenant, Old Covenant. Now, what is a Jew? Well, there's Again, there's the ethnic Jew and there's a the spiritual Jew. There are three important Jewish categories. Who is a Jew from the Scripture standpoint, from a righteous standpoint? And I'll get to those verses in a moment, but they're the physical descendants of the patriarchs. Those are Jews according to the flesh. There is the nation Israel that is not uh, is made up of people, but it is not a person. And in the end, that nation will be fully turned to God after they go through the great tribulation period and Christ returns. Then there are the spiritual descendants of the patriarchs. See, the physical descendants, Judas Iscariot, for example. You won't see him in heaven. Bible is already, he is the son of perdition. It'd be better if he had not been born. And he is gone. He was a Jew. But then Paul the apostle, Jew also, he'll be in heaven. And so you make sure we keep that distinction straight or else we get tripped up. So the spiritual descendants. Well, what about Luke, the writer of the gospel of Luke in the book of Acts? He's a spiritual descendant, born a Gentile, but born again, a spiritual Hebrew Romans 4, and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised see, Paul, circumcision meant everything to the Jew. That was like, you know, that was the covenant going back to Abraham. And Paul, writing to the Romans, doing much of what the writer to the Hebrews is doing, saying the same thing to the Jews, that you're no longer a Jewish people by practice and the religion. You're now Christians. You're now followers of Messiah. Not the law of Moses as far as its rituals and pre-Messiah symbols. And so he writes to them and he says, those who follow the God of Abraham, whether they're Gentile or Jews, they are spiritual children of Abraham. Romans 10, 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. That's it. Those who come to Christ. Don't let me lose you now. Galatians 3, 28, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Yeah, I get a little irritated when someone says, well, I'm a Messianic Christian. What is that? I'm a bald Christian. I don't go around bragging about that. Maybe I should. There's no distinction. There's not, oh, you're class A. Well, I'll go back and coach while you lead me through the scriptures in first class. First class hits the mountain first. (laughs) In other words, where you sit, never mind. You can figure it out. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace who made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. There's no more wall. Gentiles cannot come past this point at the temple, lest pain of death strike them. There's no more wall. We're all in Christ now. And they could not get it. And many cannot get it to this day, both Gentile and Jew alike. And so now we move to verse 9. You probably thought we'd never get there. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out from the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says Yahweh. This is emphatic, that first clause. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. That is a wrecking ball to Judaism. It's a new covenant, not like that other one. It's it's not the same thing. Can you imagine they're sitting there and they're delighted in going down to the temple, which within a few years will be completely gone. And it has not been rebuilt since. The Romans will soon destroy that precious temple. And he is saying to them, not according to the first covenant. He's quoting Jeremiah. So radically different that Jews struggle with it to this day unless they are born again. Unless they embrace Jesus Christ, they will as again, as a a nation, the individuals that make up that nation at the end of the tribulation, at the return, at the miraculous and glorious return of Christ, they will again grab hold of it and become the people of God. But now only individual Jews come. The nation will not repent. And as such, she forfeits blessings. She still, as a nation, is God's people, but... As a nation and as individuals, the blessings, the spiritual blessings are forfeited, and thus you have the law of Deuteronomy, the blessings from Mount uh, Gerizim and the uh, curses from Mount Ebal, and again, I've lost a bunch of you like, what, who's bald and what? this is grizzly? It's all you got out of it. But again, the Bible is big, and no man can get to its bottom. But on the way to trying to, there's so much It is rich and wonderful and to make us stronger in our faith. He says here in verse 9, because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says Yahweh. Well, they broke every covenant law they could break. And as I mentioned, they forfeit uh, the blessings. But the covenant stands because that God has made that solid. And now we go to verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says Yahweh, I will put my laws in their mind, write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, again, he's quoting Jeremiah to Jewish people, but he's also saying this applies to the Christians. This is application to us. We're his people, but it's a dual application, one to the nation and those who are, are, uh, belong to God, and, and then, of course, we can extract application to the Christians. You can parallel this also in Ezekiel 36 if you are really that industrious. So the Holy Spirit has been made available to the church this identical way where he says, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. We already have that. The church has it. John's gospel, chapter 14, Jesus telling, talking to his disciples, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, that's what he says. The paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the, the Greek word, New Testament written in Greek originally, not necessarily spoken originally in Greek, but penned, written down in Greek. Uh, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the one who comes alongside of us. He continues, John fourteen twenty six. but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. That's how we have our New Testament, through the writing of men, by an act of God, the Holy Spirit. But there you see, we have the Holy Spirit in us. 1 John chapter 2. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. You do not need that anyone teach you. Pause there real quick. Because there are those that misunderstand that verse, and they'll say, Aha, I don't need a Bible teacher. Well, John is teaching them while he's telling them that, so that's not true. That's not what he's talking about. But when you come to Christ, you have no one need to teach. Okay, let me show you how to come to Christ. You're told what the truth is. When you come, that's not something someone's teaching you. That's a reaction to what the Holy Spirit is doing. And nobody lords over that. We get the main, when we give, when, when the pastor says, if you bow your head and make this prayer, what if you followed a different temper? What if you just booed your eyes? repent. Oh, I repent. I'm, I'm sorry. I want to be yours. You'd be accepted. We just kind of help you through the main points unless you want to sit down and read the Bible real quick and find out what they are for yourself. And so when he says, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. He's writing, to Christians being influenced by a, a, a cult called the Gnostics that were coming in and saying, oh, you don't know that scripture. Let me tell you what it means. This, this is esoteric. This is high knowledge, and you're not there yet. Here, put this apron on, and I'll whisper in your ear the magic word. That's Mason, the Freemasons. I don't need that stuff. I have the word of God myself. I have the spirit of God. And so, my point is, the Israel will, has not yet come to this as a nation, but the church is already there. He says, And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Uh, not so yet, right? Not yet. Now I better move on a little bit, unless I start seeing heads bob, you know, <laughs> drooling as you're falling asleep in the pew and blaming me for it. Ah, no, something's wrong with your diet. <laughs> Verse 11. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. We covered this in Ezekiel, for those of you who remembered every word I said on Ezekiel. In the millennial kingdom, every single Jew will be a convert. They will be fully in love with God. And this is being said here by Jeremiah, before, when the temple was up at the time this was written, the Jewish people relied on their priests to teach them, on the Levites to teach them in God's word. Then the rabbis kind of entered in. And now it's all the rabbis. But the day will come when Christ returns, when the priests will only offer commemorative offerings, but they will not teach the people because the people will know God just as well as the priests do. They will truly personally visually know christ and um, that is a promise so to the jew and to the church those jews who live through the great tribulation along with the jews that are subsequently born will serve him and all who accept jesus christ by faith right now belong here to him Galatians 3.29, and if you are Christ and you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, whatever God promised Abraham, if you are a child of faith in Christ, those promises apply to you too, uh, barring those that are for, uh, exclusively for Israel. Well, so we have one new covenant here presented in Jeremiah uh, to Israel. It finds fulfillment in the kingdom age and to all believers in some point. For example, 1 John 3.2, Beloved, now we are children of God. How many of you were once not children of God? How many of you sitting here had no relationship with Jesus Christ? You were on the, the bus hell, the, hell go, the bus going to hell, and didn't even know it, quite comfortable. And then the Lord got hold of you, and you're not the same person anymore. And Satan tries to tell you all sorts of things and put them in your head to make you think that you're not so loved and so well off, and He's lying. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That is a promise to the Jews in the new covenant and to the church when we enter glory. It begins here, but it is finalized there. Well, I've got many more scripture verses to go, but that the time is running out. Verse 12 for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I remember no more. That's a mouthful in Jeremiah's age. That is the time when they were killing the prophets. That is the time when they were persecuting him, worshiping idols, mocking God, going against God. And so he's saying the day is going to come that not as an individual, unless you repent, but as a nation. If God did not get rid of Israel's, if he does not forgive the nation, their sins, and he will judge them as he has judged other people. But that's not going to happen. And so as a nation, forgiven of past sins uh, at the time when they repent, when they come to God as brought out in Zechariah, their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Of course not. Otherwise, how could we be in? Now, this does not mean God loses knowledge. He just opts not to exercise judgment on it. We all appreciate this. Here's a psalm verse that every Christian is blessed by. Psalm 25, verse 7. Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions according. To your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Yahweh. Remember not the sins of my youth. We try to tell our youth to walk straight and narrow, that it's difficult, that maybe you can't do it. I don't know. Again, when I joined the military, the poster that really got me was we don't promise you a rose garden. Well, roses have thorns. Why would I want one? So I, but, but as a young lad, it was like, yeah, that's a challenge. You're not promising me? I, I'll take that. Well, you come to Christ, he just says a better thing. He says, the road to me and the life with me is straight and it is narrow. And you have to press through it. Not broad and not wide like the gate that leads to hell. You could just sashay on down that one. But to come into the kingdom, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to draw from you something more than what the world draws from themselves. Is it worth it to you? We try as pastors and parents and persons to get our youth to not sin and have such a list of sins to not be remembered by God. We try to say, listen, you can re- you can learn two ways. You can learn through perception or experience. And the way I'm using it now, experience is a hard teacher. If I tell you that frying pan is hot, don't touch it. But you want to touch it anyway because you're too thick-headed to listen to instruction. And you get your fingers burned. See, that's now you've learned from experience. It's a stupid way to learn. But some just are determined, they're committed, they get the tattoo, stupid. And they just have to do it. Then there's the learning. They're sitting here right now saying, why are you calling me stupid? You put the shoe on. Anyway, then there's the learning through perception. This is what we want you to have. We want you to listen to instruction and say, yes, I got it. I can see that. I'm smart enough to see it. I'm not going to do it. Again, back to my military time. Early. You know, when I was in boot camp, they never asked me my opinion. They always spoke nastily to me. They were never The only time they were nice to me was at the hand grenade range. I'm not telling you. I'm telling you the truth. You step into the hand grenade pit. Okay, Private? you're going to take this. Away. Wait, wait. What kind of sick moment is this in life? Why are you being nice to me? Because he didn't want me to blow him and me up together with the hand grenade. And that's the truth, because it has happened. It was precedence. Anyway, so here you hear your pastor saying to you, listen, don't be a numbskull. Smarten up. Learn from a distance. Don't be insulted by that. Be moved by it if you're guilty. As the saying goes, if the shoe fits where, well, do something about the shoe. And that is also true for our older saints, is it not? If you are doing the wrong thing, start doing the right thing. What's wrong with you? Now, what I don't like about this kind of preaching is that the Lord makes me live through so much that I say from up here, I'm just talking about that. No, it was for them, not me. I'm the vessel. It doesn't work. And he doesn't always turn it off. He, okay, let's get back. Let's finish this verse 13. In that day, he says, a new covenant he has made with the, fir- the first obsolete. Now, what is becoming obsolete And growing old is ready to vanish away. Second Corinthians 3.11, for what is passing away was glorious. What remains is much more glorious. And so the Old Testament laws and rituals that are not upheld in the New Testament, for instance, the Sabbath day, which was given to the nation Israel, is not upheld in the New Testament. It's obsolete. And this doesn't stop many from trying to resuscitate it, and we must guard against that. I'll just close with this verse. I didn't realize we were so late into this. Romans 8, 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, that's why he had a problem with them, as mentioned earlier. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. And every single Christian despises sin in every form. There is no form of sin we are ever comfortable with, whether it is in us or in others, whether it is part of the curse that is on this life. We know what sin is. and We know the only one that can deal with
1: it. You've been listening to Cross Reference Radio, the daily radio ministry of Pastor Rick Gaston of Calvary Chapel in Mechanicsville, Virginia. As we mentioned at the beginning of today's broadcast, today's teaching is available free of charge at our website. Simply log on to crossreferenceradio.com. That's crossreferenceradio.com. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to the Cross Reference Radio podcast. Subscribing ensures that you stay current with all the latest teachings from Pastor Rick. You can subscribe at crossreferenceradio.com or simply search for Cross Reference Radio in your favorite podcast app. Tune in next time as Pastor Rick continues teaching through the book of Hebrews right here on Cross Reference Radio.